You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. Insight and analysis from the minds of fantasy football experts. Fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizapia, and welcome to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. It's me, it's Michael Rathburn. We are breaking it down for you, week seven style. Uh, week six is in the books. It's time to uh, put that behind us and look ahead. We already had a fun Thursday night blowout, so uh, that's always a good time when you watch the Denver Broncos uh, beat up on a very, very confused it seems like arizona staff that doesn't seem to know how they want to run an offense or anything else like that but i digress we're here in week seven we've got a london game again we've got some really good matchups unfortunately not on the main slate and we're gonna talk about how that's going to affect so rathburn let's start with that right off the top man you're taking out the atlanta falcons you're taking out the chiefs the cincinnati Bengals, and of course the giants going against those falcons who can't tackle anybody i'm disappointed that I can't start Saquon Barkley in the main slate this week. Yeah, it's tough, man. And that's like the first thing I look at when I do the, I start breaking down the slate is I look at who's on by who's, who's on Thursday, Sunday night, Monday night, we've got this London game thrown in the mix and it's just kind of a killer and it's really made it a difficult week. And so we're going to talk about that and how to, you know, how to approach it because we still got to play and we still got to figure out how we're going to win. Now, last week was a little bit similar in that the salaries were tight, but we had a little bit more. We had a, we had extra game on the slate. We had um, that London game was a different start time, right? And uh, which why can't uh, they do that every week? I mean, what is it so terrible to put it on there so that it's one o'clock here? I mean, so what? So it's seven o'clock there. Big deal. Well, I think based on what I heard is it's mostly based on the clock, like the the clock for the player. So it would have been like some crazy time as far as like their, their clock goes um, maybe like one 30 in the morning. So I think that's a big part of why they play the game when they do. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I, I, I know I had read something about that, but uh, I know this week could be a little bit, I'm not, I don't know. I know it has something to do with what the actual time is for the, for the players in the NFL versus the start time over there. All right. Well, Look, I, I mean, they did it last week, and it seemed fine. I mean, the only yeah, clock I, needed adjustment was Mari uh, Cooper's clock that got, you know, cleaned other than that. But uh, let's talk about some of the biggest hits that we had to know that has that for a transition. Uh, the biggest hits were Colts-Jets, uh, that shootout. We uh, were on that one. Bucks-Falcons going on the over side of things. That was good. Uh, what else did we get right last week, Brad? Well, I think, you know, since we've made the change to doing game previews and trying to predict where we think the game is headed and then apply that to DFS, it's been pretty good. Now, there's certainly going to be games where you're just not going to not going to be able to figure it out. But I've had a pretty good read on on some of these teams. And um, I, w- I had a pretty good read on Steelers Bengals. A lot of that was historical and it, and it really went the way that I thought it was going to go. Uh, that total had dropped considerably after we had recorded the show. So that kind of backed it up. Uh, Skins Panthers have pretty much had nailed that game. Um, we didn't have it really a ton of players. We had McCaffrey who didn't really come through, but he did. He still has a solid floor. Uh, Rams Broncos. We had pretty much nailed that as far yeah. as with the weather and, and it being a run game and things like that. So 
And Colts, Jets, you know, again, with the shootout, I really – so, again, I've got a pretty good read on some of these teams. The one team I just don't have a good read on is the Raiders, but I may have a good read on them now because they suck. <laughs> there you go. That's not yeah. a hot take. I just want to – Oh, God. I mean, that you know, they just – not a hot take. No. Another – Another it's not head. getting better. It's not getting yeah. better anytime soon when you look at yeah. the roster and you look ahead. And I mean, at this point, we're <laughs> wondering if John Gruden's going to make it to Las Vegas. I don't know. Uh, but, well, they're you know, paying him a lot of money. But real quick, yeah, um, look, that, that Bears Dolphins game was seven nothing at halftime. Yeah, and it went it, it went nuts in the second half, and nobody really figured out why until after um, the humidity had come into play, and there was reports that the Bears players had lost 12 to 15 pounds during the game. So what? just so, yeah, just so How you know, that, that a lot of it, a lot of water weight, but um, 12 to 15. Yeah. Water, I mean, water I could weight. see two or three, but 12 yeah. to 15. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's alarming. And so I think we have to keep an eye on that game this week and we'll talk about that. And also the chargers just crushing the Browns. I mean, that to me, I didn't yeah, see that. that was, I didn't see that either. I don't. I don't and, know if it was a matter of that when Mayfield hit his foot on that thing and he wasn't right after that, but that seemed to be like the spiral. Like that was when the game just got out of control, and I, I was shocked. I really was. I think Cleveland really had some good showings leading up until there. You and I were very surprised. We were both thinking this was going to be a tight one, and the Chargers were a little soft. But you know what? That's the NFL for you. You know, uh, right. sometimes teams man up, and I wonder after last week too. If Jacksonville is going to be that team this week after an embarrassing loss there on the road in Dallas, that they're going to man up and get back on track, <clears throat> at least from a defensive standpoint as well. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, screw the Raiders. I mean, at this point, you know, I'm not even going to, you know, just, just they're, they're terrible. All right. Uh, talking points. Uh, what turn about uh, some of the big breaking news, the Miami quarterback situation. You also got a new quarterback in Buffalo this week, Derek Anderson off the scrap heap, Rathburn. I know you're super excited about that. We also had Latavius Murray, who finally had the game that we were waiting for him to have and all this time when Dalvin Cook wasn't healthy. Now Dalvin Cook is starting to get ready again. Uh, is this confusing or what? I mean, how do you break this down, Rath? Yeah, well, as far as Murray goes, it looks like we got him last week, but we're probably not going to get him this week. And we had talked about that last week. We had said that to keep an eye on the situation and that if Murray did get the green light, that he was going to be a play. And that worked out well for me. I, I did not feel comfortable about running back um, outside of Todd Gurley all of last week. And so I'm building lineups. I'm tinkering. I'm tinkering. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing around with it, you know, whether it's Yeldon, whether it's Lynch and just at one point I was on Cohen. And then when word broke that cook was out, it was lock in Murray and it paid off. So nice. that was a big, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, you have to pay attention to this news. All this in injury information comes out usually after 11 o'clock Eastern uh 11 you know from 11 to noon and just be aware of the injury report going into friday see who's practicing who's not who's limited who's full and have have um backup plans ready to go and say hey um i'm gonna be able to use this player if i know i know powell was a guy last week that a lot of people were waiting on uh if crowell didn't go but it looked like on friday crowell was going so you could kind of pivot from that so just really be on top of that Friday practice report is my biggest uh, takeaway. Now we're going to help out with that too. And next week we're going to have David Chow on the program talking about some injuries that are going to impact not only week eight, but also the whole second half of the NFL season uh, opportunities for other players to maybe also scoot in there and be productive, but also realistic expectations for those who are dealing with nagging injuries that might hinder them the rest of the year. Certainly we're going to talk about Dalvin cook and Fournette with him as well. 
So check that out next week. David Chow will be on the program. We're going to hit a break. We come back. It's time to start those week seven previews, and we got them for you, baby, right here on the pre-snap. We'll be right back after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar. Take your DFS game to a whole new level. Build winning lineups with the best tools on the market. Download now at LineStarApp.com and start winning. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's kick off those previews. And, you know, I I think weather is grossly overrated sometimes. Unless it's winds that are completely out of control or torrential rain or snow, I I feel like sometimes the weather is just not as big. I mean, look at last week. Just with that game in Denver, where there's like, oh, everyone was terrified of the snow, and then really, I mean, it was not—it's nothing. It's not a big deal, and it wasn't even there practically for most of the game. I don't know, man. I look at this, and you know, I always am very skeptical of the weather. Is there any weather, in your opinion, this week to pay attention to that's going to have any sort of impact whatsoever on your thought process? Yeah, it's hard to tell right now. As far as uh, we don't have the situation like we did last week with Denver and the snow and the low temperature. Uh, but what it's looking like is the East Coast could have a lot of wins. I mean, the games all popped were all East Coast games. Uh, Bucks, Eagles, Jets, Jaguars, Ravens, and Redskins all on the East Coast. And all right now are projecting 15-mile-an-hour winds or greater. So just pay attention to the wind. Uh, 15 is sort of the break-even point. I know some people think 20. But wind is definitely going to have an impact in, in these games. So just be aware of who's going to have the wind, how it's going to impact the games. I mean, a lot of these games happen to be lower total games outside of Bucks, Browns, and Vikings, Jets. So, um, you know, I'd just be aware of the wind and how it could potentially uh, impact the gameplay. All right, let's uh, continue on here. Let's start with Vikings at Jets. Vikings opened up at minus three, now minus three and a half. Uh, the total opened up at four, 46 and a half, and now it's uh, at 46 flat. I don't get this because with the injuries the Jets have had this week, with Anunwa being out, with Robbie Anderson not practicing, with Crowell not practicing, I, I don't get how this is not a bigger divide. I know it's the Vikings on the road, and I understand it's a home game for the Jets, and the Jets you know, had some moments last week, but this one's kind of a head scratcher. I don't understand how with all these injuries that they're going to be able to keep pace in any way, shape or form with the Vikings. And I feel like this, this line is holding over from bad memories of them crapping the bed against the bills a few weeks ago, but ever since then they've played much better football. Yeah, I think, uh, look, a lot of this comes into that angle that I've been talking about from week one. It's this whole non-conference road game motivation angle. And so it's very hard for Vegas to post these numbers and put up uh, more than a field goal favorite on a lot of these matchups, unless it's a super team, super offense. So that's kind of, you know, the Vikings are still have the perception of of being more of a defensive team, not an offensive team. I think that's why the total is 46 and why the line is now it did go to three and a half. So that's key. And that's significant uh, because three is a key number. Three and a half means that they got to win by more than a field goal. And most games are not going to fall between four, five, and six points. They're going to fall between three, seven, 10, 14. So, you know, that's, that's the thing that you have to consider. Um, the Jets are a better team than what people realize. And I think that, um, look, they've, they're averaging 27 points a game. Now, not all of that is offense. They've gotten touchdowns on defense. They created a lot of turnovers last week. True, it was a sloppy game. Some of it was fluky. But the Jets, I think to me, the Jets, I think the reason why this line is 
the way it is is because there's a, there's a strong contention out there that feel the Jets are going to be able to win this game outright. Um, I've been on the Jets in the I, over. I, I can't. I, I think that's insane. I really well, I've been on the Jets in the over, and that you know the Jets secondary uh, the Jets secondary injuries combined with the fact that Donald has not played all that bad outside of one bad game against Miami. Uh, Donald has been relatively effective. They can, I think it's a, it's a very difficult game to call. The only thing I do feel confident about is I do think this is going to be another shootout type of game. I've got it Vikings 30 to 26. And I do think that there will be a lot of points scored in the game. All right. Well, listen, I, I think it's going to be points scored in the game. I think it's more on the Vikings side. Adam Thielen's been playing out of his mind right now. I don't think, and look, I'm not going to crush the Jets because the secondary played better in the beginning of the season, but they've been a little banged up too. I I just feel like the Vikings are going to go in there and they're going to stick it to them. And we'll see how much Cook enters into things now. Now with Cook practicing, is this an opportunity to use Cook or do you think that they're going to still be a little protective of him first game back in a while? Wouldn't shock me if it's a split. Uh, 50 50 60 40 i think they're going to be protective um neither one of those guys is in play their offensive line isn't very good to begin with so i mean i know murray obviously murray versus the cardinals was a prime match you know prime prime matchup uh so that's why you wanted to be able to use them but in this instance uh i think the game is going to be in the air and if cook does anything it's going to be in the receiving game All right, Lions and Dolphins opened up at minus two and a half, now minus three. The total is 47. Uh, We talked about the weather last week and obviously that impact. That's a a huge amount. So if you're looking to shed some pounds, if you got an event coming up, just go play a little football in Miami. That seems to be the way to do it. But, you know, the Lions coming into this one, we all know have struggled defending the run. It seems as though, look, I mean, Kenyon Drake with the fumble issue. And I mean, I'd love to say Kenyon Drake, but I just can't do it anymore. Gore is the guy that, seems to be just outrushing him. I, I think that all-purpose yards, Kenyon Drake certainly is in play this week. But how do you see this Miami running game in terms of opportunity for DFS, if at all, against the Lions and that bad run defense that they have? It sounds like they're going to split between Gore and Drake, which is why I'm not going to be on either one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's, that, it seems no, like that's the way to go. Now, then, I'll tell you yeah. who I'd love on the other side, too, is Kenny Galladay in this game, too, because... I just don't think that they have enough to defend all three of those wide receivers and the biggest bodied guy, I think is going to give them the biggest trouble over there. Yeah. Well, it's going to depend on who Howard Howard's going to be on. And I'm thinking he's going to be on Tate uh, or Jones. So uh, Galladay would be the guy you would definitely look at. I'll talk about him later. Uh, This is a, this is a game where I'm absolutely going to be watching the weather because we saw what happened with the humidity last week. You've got a dome team going on the road that has no clue how to play in this environment. So if the Lions get down there and they're sucking wind early in the game, like that's the thing is I've gone back and forth on this game so much. I don't have a ton of confidence in the Dolphins, but I also don't have a ton of confidence in the Lions in this spot. I've got the Lions winning 27-24, and that really has a lot to do with what happened last week. And thinking that this Lions defense could be gassed at the end. Um, But I still think that the Lions are going to be able to move the ball in the air, which is what we saw both teams be able to do last week. So that's why I have it 27-24. But I will tell you, this is probably the one game that I don't have any kind of read on this week because a lot of this has to do with the weather. And if that humidity situation is, is normal, 
I would tend to lean more under. But if it's crazy humidity like it was last week, then it could be another shootout. How about that Albert Wilson, too? He's like the poor man's Tyreek Hill. I feel like, you know, he touches the ball and, you know, some of these games, amazing things happen, and then he that, kind of disappears. completely goes into that that whole thing about the defense being gassed. I mean, those... those oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was very... Well, all those games time, have happened at home, right, Rath? I'm trying to remember. The other big one he had was at home a couple weeks before that. When yeah, against the Jets, the Jets game? The Jets game, yeah, with yeah, the gadget he went nuts. Yeah, he yeah. went nuts in that game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard late in the fourth quarter to chase after that guy. It's just, it's just not easy. So keep that in mind when it comes to the weather, too. All right, let's go to the Texans going to visit Jacksonville after that shellacking they took last week. Jaguars minus four and a half. The total opened at 43, and now it's at 42. Uh, you know... I, I I know everybody's ganging up on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and with good reason. I mean, it was a it was a despicable, disgusting, disappointing, lots of disses in that performance last week. However, have we learned nothing about what we've watched in the NFL in 2018 and other years that when that happens, teams often go back and get taken behind the woodshed and they come back out very strong. And considering Deshaun Watts was playing with a partially collapsed lung last week, I don't have great confidence in his health. I don't have good confidence in the running game. And I'm a little concerned here on the Houston side. And I think Jacksonville bounces back, but what do you think here in terms of total and in terms of whether or not they can? Yeah, I don't, I don't see this game having a whole lot of fantasy goodness outside of possibly going with the Jags D and uh, tournaments. Uh, you have to pay up to get them. People probably won't do it. Uh, it's really hard to take anybody on the Texans in this spot on the road in Jacksonville with Watson not being 100%, we certainly saw that last week against the Bills and that burned me. Uh, it just didn't take into consideration how hurt he really was, and I don't think anyone did. Uh, and the Bills' defense is very good. They're a lot better than I think what people realize. The well, they, Jags, are. they absolutely are. They are. Look, the, the Jaguars to me, and I, and I know I've been hammering this home, but another non-conference road game, and they just, like, from the first drive, yeah. It was like they didn't they didn't want to be there. Well, you know, they you're driving not. at home, but I mean you're you're driving it into the station. Yeah. I mean just saying it's it's right. It's not something it's something I was aware of, but not to this extent. Yeah. And it, when we start to look at it and peel into it week after week and we see it, it really does show itself in terms of it, it translates into fantasy disappointment. And I think that's the thing that you've been able to to nail down. It's not just totals, but no. it's also individual performances too that right. take a massive hit here. Yeah, I had backed off Yeldon, and again, a lot changes. So did I. A lot changes. Like Thursday, look, <clears throat> we may think about something Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday morning, and then Friday Friday practice reports come out, uh, Sunday morning inactives come out, and look, it wasn't that I disliked Yeldon. It's just that Murray became available, and so Yeldon was off my radar at that point. All right, uh, I got a question for you about that because this is something I've always struggled with, which is sometimes when you're – are a good fantasy player, and I believe that we are, and I'm sure the people who are listening are as well. More information, you always feel smarter, you always feel better. But I find that the lineups that I make earlier in the week, if I just leave them alone, or more apt to be good than when I go back and I start tinkering on Saturday and Sunday with lineups. And that's just what I feel, and maybe that's just me. Do you feel anything about that too? Because I think this is, again, a general concept. Are Do you have lineups that you just leave and say, don't touch this one, and... <laughs> It you depends know. on how you feel. Like last week going in, I didn't feel great about running back outside of Gurley, so I was just looking for puzzle pieces. I was constantly shuffling in and out. Do I spend up for Julio? Do I spend up for McCaffrey? You know, I just 
I kept trying to juggle the puzzle pieces and until I get to the point where Murray was green light. And then it was like, okay, set it, forget it. And, and I'm done. But it was, it was very hard last week. And, um, I, I try to make the lineups early in the week and then I'll go back and do them this week. I've been pretty much locked in on them. I don't foresee any, any major changes, uh, you know, outside of what we find out today. But I feel a lot more confident about this week because honestly, the player pool is a lot more concentrated, and so yeah, I would agree. Not a lot of there's not a lot of places to go. All right, let's uh, go down to uh, the Bucks and Cleveland here. Uh, look, the Browns are zero and twenty three uh, on the last twenty three road games, so that's not good. <laughs> but you know, <clears throat> going to some of the things that we're positive to, I think the target total for Njoku has been very positive the last couple of weeks. Uh, you see, the, you know, the Buccaneers, OJ Howard going back healthy. Uh, the tough thing is, you know, I know a lot of people saw the Peyton Barber week last week, and there's some people who believe it can carry over and other people who think it's a complete one-off because it's against the Falcons, which I'm more on that end of the spectrum. But when you're looking at this game, the Bucks opened up at minus three, now minus three and a half. The total started at 49. Now it's up to 50 and a half, which that's kind of curious. I mean, basically what you're asking is you're asking that that Cleveland D, that Cleveland offense to really step up on the road here and be competitive. Now, <clears throat> One note, too, Tampa Bay did fire their defensive coordinator, Mike Smith, this week. Does that have any sort of positive impact, or is that just window dressing? I think, look, the personnel, the the, the, the scheme obviously wasn't working, but the personnel is not very good either. Right. The personnel yeah. is still the personnel. Now, you right. can do more to right. tailor the so scheme to the personnel. I could, you know, I, I think, um, if anything, you know, maybe I've got the game 27-23. That's basically what Vegas has it at. Um, which oftentimes I try not to align with Vegas. I try to go a little bit above or below, but I just, when I did the projection for the game, it just landed right on that number. Uh, look, uh, every quarterback against Tampa this year has hit for at least three and a half times value on DraftKings. Uh, every game has gone over the total. So I could certainly see the Bucks getting to 30 and winning 30 to 23 in this game, and the game goes over the total. Uh, I'm a little bit wondering look, the bucks give up a ton of points. I just, I just, I, so many drops for the Browns and it's like, I'm starting to feel like do the bucks pull away a little bit further in this game and maybe put up 30 or 33 and do the Browns land around 20 or I think 20. it has to do with Landry. I think if Landry has a good game out of the slot this week, where I think there's a lot of work to be done. It, it could be very good. I also think it's in Joku also. If those two guys can have successful days, I think the Browns keep this one closer than my, many people there's might no think. There's no reason why this game should, this game could, and, and I stress could, be another, you know, we've been talking about it for weeks, about the Falcon games, the Buck games. Well, but look, look at all the tight end performances too. Look at McDonald right. against the Bucks. Look yeah. uh, with Pittsburgh. Look at uh, just uh, last week there, Hooper. I mean, you can go on and on and trace yeah. it back. There's been some really big tight end games. They struggle against the tight end. And I think in Joku, when you see the volume there, I think that's opportunity. That That's, you know, basically what the I'm Browns getting. The Browns had that crazy game against the Raiders. I think it was like 45-42. Uh, mm-hmm. Could it get to there? It could. Um, I'm not projecting it right now, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to figure out a way where this game just explodes. Um, I think it's through, I think it's through Landry. I really yeah, do. My only, my only hesitation is that both quarterbacks have a tendency of making mistakes. 
Well, oh, that's the problem. The, the points might come on defensive, you know, on turnover. Or they stall drives and they negate the points and we still land on yeah. 20. Yeah, that's a good point too. That's that's enough to uh, at least minimize the exposure, I guess you'd say, right? That's a, that's a, Even though there's potential, it doesn't mean you want a, a whole lot of exposure to it necessarily. All right, let's talk about the Panthers at Eagles. Eagles opened up at minus four, now minus five, total 45. Uh, clearly, they look much more like themselves against the Giants last week, despite giving up a ton to Saquon Barkley. Now, look, I mean, the, the Panthers are kind of, this is an important game for them in terms of, I think, statement. This is another road game for them. How do you see this one shaking out? Because I, I look at Wentz and Jeffrey, and I see them getting into a groove. Two of the last three games for him have been very good, with the exception of that one game against Minnesota but obviously defensively they're a good team. So how do you see this one shaking out here with the Eagles and Panthers? Yeah, I'm starting to think more and more that the Eagles are going to be able to cover the number here. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the Panthers on the road, and mostly that comes down to Cam. Uh, Cam usually plays better at home, and when they're favored, uh, usually when he's going good and they're going good, you know, that that's the way it is. Uh, tough spot on the road, second road game in a row. They did not look great last week coming out of the gates. Redskins, you know, punched them pretty good. And the Redskins were playing without a lot of guys last week. The Eagles are a much better team than the Redskins. And you got to remember the Eagles have just dealt with a lot of injuries early on in the season, a lot of things to overcome. Like you said, they're starting to find their groove. Wentz has improved every week. And I, I, the Panthers defense is not as good as we, you know, reputation. So uh, I've got the game now. I bumped it up to Eagles 27, 20. Uh, I don't mind Wentz here. I don't recommend him later on. He's not one of my guys, but I think Wentz is a very sneaky guy this week in tournaments. No one's going to be on him. And this, like I said, the Panthers defense is not as good as their reputation. In the I agree. And it's funny because you say that and, the quarterback that I find, especially on the FanDuel side, to be my favorite value of the week in terms of return on investment is Wentz. And that's the guy that I have the most shares of already. So that makes me feel good. And it makes me remind myself, don't go tinkering with your lineup on Sunday, Joe, as I continue to yell at myself. But I just feel like when you look at the numbers and st statistically speaking, the weapons he's got, the matchup, the home situation, everything kind of lines up where it's a good spot for Carson Wentz. Yeah, and the run game is not, you know, a huge focal point at this point. So I could see Wentz putting up 300 and two to three touchdowns. Yeah, and he moves around. He's gotten to get a little move that around too. a little bit more, that too. which yep. is something to keep in mind, too. Another 25, 30 yards on the ground is not impossible from Wentz in this game at all. All right, let's do one more here. Let's talk about the Bills at Colts. Uh, Derek Anderson, baby. Lighten it up. DA back in the fold. Unbelievable. Opened at Colts minus eight now, minus seven and a half. The total is 43. You mentioned the Bills defense. Better than people give credit for. I agree with that. T.Y. Hilton back in this one as well, which I'm sure is going to affect some of the target volume to guys like Chester Rogers, who disappointed last week after two very good weeks. Uh, Ebron will still be in the mix, obviously, with Jack Doyle on the shelf. But the rest of this team, we also saw Marlon Mack last week, who I have to say, Rap, exceeded my expectations. Well, the expectations were pretty much zero. So, Well, they exceeded them. He yeah. could have gone under him. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, he actually got saved on Rodgers late. Uh, everybody got saved. But um, the, uh, this game, I find myself this week, unfortunately, uh, I feel like the Vegas numbers are really sharp. And I think that a lot of these games are going to fall in line with where Vegas hasn't projected. So it's just a, it's, it's a lot harder to find the outliers this week as, as in previous weeks. 
Uh, I do like the Bills defense again. No one's on them because they're this heavy road underdog, but it's 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 super low total. And again, Luck is going to throw the ball quite a bit, and they're going to be. And he he had uh, while Luck put up a ton of yards last week, the Jets were able to the Jets were able to get some turnovers. I think I think the same thing could happen here. I think the Bills are going to be able to get turnovers in this game. They're going to probably lean on McCoy heavily in this game and try to win it in a 17-13 type of game. I still have the Colts winning 24-17, to although I'm starting to wonder if I – most of that is because I think Derek Anderson – it's just hard for me to pick Derek Anderson to win a game on the road uh, first game out. But I think this game will be ugly, close. The Colts will find a way to win. Um but the Bills defense is legit. I know some people are going to be on the Colts defense because of Anderson, and I can certainly understand it, but the Bills really have a lot of value as far as ownership and, and price. All right, we're going to hit a break. We come back. What happens when an outstanding offense meets the best defense on paper in the NFL? Well, Michael Rathburn is going to tell you, baby, right after this. So stick around. More pre-snap coming right back at you. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar, transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, this is the one that I've got my eye on, Rathburn. It is the Saints at Baltimore, the Ravens minus two and a half. The total opened at 50 and a half, and now it's at 50 flat. Uh you know, the Ravens coming off a situation here where they've been very up and down. We all know that there's opportunity here against the Saints defense. Guys like John Brown were playmakers. We saw Crabtree have a good week all of a sudden, finally, after weeks and weeks of doing very, very little. And there's always the questions of, of how the Saints travel week to week and, and outside of that dome. I'm of the mind, Rath, where I think they travel well. And I just think that in this particular instance, Ingram and Kamara are a lot to handle. And then you got Michael Thomas on top of that. And to me, I just think that's a lot, even for the Baltimore defense, which has been very, very good this year. I'm not trying to knock the Baltimore D in any fashion. Normally, I would say defense always wins out. But in what we see in the NFL this year, it doesn't seem that that's the case. It seems like offense is what wins out. And you got to score more points than the other guy. Uh all right, come on. You, come on, tell me I'm wrong. I know you nah, I feel like you I'm want not, to. I'm not on that train. So we're All gonna be, right. Woo! We're going to be on different uh I love sides. It. <clears throat> all right, tell me why. Tell me why cuz with everything I've seen in the rules and all the all the protecting of the quarterback and all this stuff, I just think it's tough that Baltimore's going to have a hard day keeping up with the Saints. So why why do you think otherwise? Go ahead. Uh, Saints are not good on the road historically. I believe they're about 10 and 20 in the last 30. Uh, the game against the Giants was misleading. They did not play well in that game at all. And I, I'm not a fan of the Saints on the road, especially when they got to go outside, outside of the dome, and they got to play in a little bit colder weather, especially if the wind becomes a factor in this game as well. And the Ravens just coming off a shutout. The Ravens are 12 and three, their last 15 games at home. And when you look at their home numbers, they're dominant at home. This defense plays very well at home and their opponent does not play well on the road. So that that's where I'm at with it. Uh, and Ted, it's a, go ahead say it. It's a non-conference road game. It's a non-conference road game. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, it's a, it's a very big game for the Ravens. Uh, you know, when I do a look ahead, New Orleans goes at Minnesota next Sunday night and Baltimore is playing at Carolina. So 
I would, you know, I, I don't think it's a look ahead game for the Saints by any stretch, but that game next week means a whole lot more to them than this game this week. And so, again, I'm leaning on the Ravens at home and their dominance at home, especially with Jimmy Smith, CJ Mosley back. Uh, and I think, I think the key here is going to be that the Ravens are going to be able to move the ball in the air with Crabtree, Sneed, and John Brown. And I think that's going to be a problem for the Saints. And so if, this, if the Ravens get out to a big lead here, and I say big, I mean like say 14, I think it's going to put the Saints in a very tough spot. And that's why I'm on the Ravens 26-20. Uh, I'm not a fan of anybody on the Saints, even though the prices have dropped on DraftKings. Uh, I can you understand. there's a Camara correction? I know everyone's disappointed. That. I can look. Look, I, here's, here's what I would say. If you're running a Raven stack with Flacco, Snead, Crabtree, and, and Brown, like two out of the three wide receivers, and I'd probably lean away from Brown maybe just because of the way the snap totals have gone, I'd probably put Kamara on the other side just to get a piece of the game. And if that's the one guy that goes off, then you've got him. But I don't trust anybody on the Saints. That'd be the one scenario that I would play a Saint. All right, let's talk about the Cowboys at Redskins. This is an in-division in conference game. All right. So no screwing around here. These could be tough. Redskins opened at minus one. Now it's zero, baby. And totals at 42. So the question is, what carries over from what we saw last week? And to me, I think it's Beasley that carries over because I think you have to kind of embrace what you have. We talked earlier about making what you the best of what you have in terms of personnel, right? We we're talking about Tampa, and I think that's always what the Patriots do so well is whatever the personnel they have is, they kind of tailor the scheme to the personnel. And I think that in this sense, if Beasley's the best you got, then keep feeding Beasley and, and keep making him a thing. And I think he can handle it. And I think there's really no other choice. And I'll ask you, do you think that there's carryover for Beasley and Prescott together in that relationship in this one on the road against the Redskins? Yeah, I do. And I'm a little bit confused why they haven't gone to Beasley earlier. I'm that was not- shocked, man. Well, that was my take in the preseason on the Cowboys was that, I, yeah, I didn't like the passing game at all. But what I said was, <clears throat> and I'm half right on it, is I said, look, Beasley and Williams are the two guys that have been there and no one wants them. Everybody was talking about Hearns and they were talking about Gallup and neither one of those guys have done a thing. So I think now what you have to look at is you have to say, listen, What's the best way that we can play? Well, obviously, we know the run game. It, look, they got a very good defense, okay? And we know they play slow, and they want to grind it out, and they want to limit the plays on the other side. So the other way that you do that as well is you have Dak run on rollouts, on, on like designed rollouts, and you hit Beasley with short passes, and you hit Jeff Swain with short passes. They're not going to throw the ball deep. They don't have it outside of Tavon Austin, who's banged up. So forget it. That's not just not how they're going to play. So I think the Redskins, I think the Cowboys have actually found their identity and I like them in this spot. And uh, I like, they've typically done well in this spot. Uh, The games have actually been more higher scoring. And so that's why I think that the total is 42. And I don't, I I think the game is going to, I've got like 24, 23. I've got the Cowboys winning, but I do like some of the Cowboys in this game as far as from a fantasy perspective. I think uh, Zeke, Dak, and Beasley are all guys you can certainly look at. All right, let's go over to the Patriots and the Chicago Bears, too. I know we were holding that one a little bit. Uh, Pats opened at minus three, now minus two and a half. Total opened up at 50, now 49 and a half, so not too much movement there. 
Now, my thing is this. I, if you look at last week and the success that Kansas City had with Kareem Hunt catching the football in the backfield and all that stuff, to me, it plays very much into the game plan again of Tariq Cohen, much to the chagrin of season-long owners who have Jordan Howard. And I just think Cohen is the guy that kind of would give the Patriots defense fits in terms of the linebacking core being able to keep up with him. Do you see that as their path to victory, or is this the classic, okay, I'm Bill Belichick, I'm going to take away the thing that I think is going to hurt me the most, and to me, the thing's going to hurt me the most is Tariq Cohen. Do you think that's the way that they go? I'm not sure they've got the personnel to be able to do that. That would See, be the I one agree. thing. Yeah, I agree. so I do like Cohen in this spot. And, uh, you know, one of the guys that we can talk about, too, is if Allen Robinson doesn't go, then uh, Taylor Gabriel becomes basically a cash game lock. Uh, at his price so that's something and he's that we, gotten a steady flow of targets yeah. and i'm still gonna look to play him anyway uh because robinson's not gonna be 100 percent. but right. i do like gabriel in this spot um not not on anyone else in this game uh the patriots prices um outside of gronk are still you know kind of up there although brady brady came down gronk came down but the running backs i just don't know if there's a lot of value on, on the running backs and i'm i'm worried about the patriots in this spot uh, well, it, Khalil Mack's a little banged up, and that's the only thing that gives me hope because if Khalil Mack is not 100% and that pass rush isn't quite 100%, then, you know, there's more opportunity. The, the way to beat the Pats is to put Tom Brady on his ass. We know that. I mean, it's just it's just a fact. It's just it's the only, it's the real way, surefire way to get at them. So, I mean, the Patriots are rolling out. This is not an easy game for them. Trubisky's played better, but Belichick's record against young quarterbacks is very good. And I think he's going to yeah, do enough I saw to... that number last week. Yeah, yeah. That number. I mean, I knew it anyway, but when you see the number black and white in front of you, you go, okay, wow. And, and I'll tell you what, he still did a lot to Mahomes in that first half where he confused him and he put pressure on him. And Mahomes is a better young quarterback than Trubisky. It's not a knock on Trubisky, but at the same time, I think they can do enough to him to confuse him, especially early on and then make more adjustments where I think, I think the Patriots will squeak this one out. But from a fantasy perspective, I mean, is what do you like on the Patriots side of this football? Is it Edelman? See, that's what I've been struggling with because or is it going back I, to Sony Michelle and running it, the ball? I mean, it's like that's it, where they want to go. Yeah, I've got the game more like 24, 23. The ownership on the Patriots is projected to be very high. So I felt like that's was shocking to me. Yeah, it re- well, it's because of the 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 total on the game and, and what they put up the last three weeks. And people are looking at what happened to the Bears defense last week. And so a lot of that is just the public perception. The Patriots are always going to be heavily owned unless they're playing against, uh, which which is strange because they're not heavily owned against the Jaguars, but they're heavily owned against the Bears, and the Bears is a good defense. And even without Mac being 100%, this Bears defense is still very good. Well, and maybe it's also to this thing. We've seen second-half Bears not be able to make adjustments on defense. Going all the way back to the Packers game, when Aaron Rodgers led them back, I know last week the weather was an issue. We mentioned the fatigue, but still second half failure there. So the bears come out like gangbusters, but I'm concerned that they don't make enough adjustments scheme wise in the second half. And that I think is where the optimism comes from. I'm not saying it's right, but I think that that's where it's uh, that's where the logic stems from. At least. Not sure if it's that depth, that uh, that depth. Uh, I think a lot of it's just based on, the Patriots are people aren't that smart. Is that what you're saying? I think a lot of it's the, it's the Patriots offense. I don't think anyone's looking at the bears defense and saying, Oh, wow. You know, it's, just, it's more like, Hey, the Patriots put up 30 points every week. So I'm going to want ownership. Well, they do. Uh, and partially the reason why is because they still on the defensive end struggle 
and they gave up. Look, big the play. offense has been a lot better. It's, the offense has been better as soon as Edelman came back. It was like that was the yes. that was the elixir. Well, of course it was. Uh, and then also Michelle, Michelle and Edelman kind of coming together at the same time has really put this offense back on track. Those are the pieces for me, Raph. It's, the difficult the difficult part that I'm dealing with is whether or not the Patriots are going to be able to bring this on the road against arguably the best defense in the NFL, you know, them and the Ravens so far. So like I said, I've got it slightly under right now. I do have the bears 24, 23. I could see tinkering with this projection a little bit. I have a very hard time projecting the Patriots putting up 30 points in this game. I just don't like the spot. All right, let's talk about the Rams at 49ers. Rams opened up at minus 11, now minus 10. Total went from 52 and a half to just 52. The Look, I mean, third road game in a row for the Rams, but it is <clears throat> at least in California, so not as terrible. But look, it's been the Todd Gurley show. Cooper Cup's going to be out for this one. So who's the beneficiary without Cooper Cup? Because I don't think people, you know, I think they realize, but they don't how important Cooper cup has been to Jared Goff and this offense. He's been very reliable, very consistent. And now someone's got to kind of fill that void. So is it woods filling that void? Is it cooks or is it just more of the Todd Gurley show and whoever's open? Yeah. Typically what happens with a, with a running back, it's plug and play with a wide receiver. It's not necessarily the case. So there's no, there's no guy on the bench. That's the quality talent of a Cooper cup. So typically what's going to happen is you're going to see the target distribution be bumped up on the, on the guys that are ahead of the the backup on the depth chart. So Reynolds will get the start, but it doesn't mean that Reynolds is going to get the target distribution that cup got. What will probably happen is target distribution will go more towards woods cook and cooks and Gurley. So those are the guys that see the bump. And while Reynolds is going to be a popular play because he's cheap, uh, I really would only use him in a stack when I had Goff as a quarterback. So, but I love I love Woods in the spot. I love Gurley. The problem is, I think that you do not want to run both Gurley and Woods in cash, and that's going to be tough for guys to get away from because both of them are very good plays. So. I'm pretty much hitching my wagon to Gurley and Thielen in cash and I'll play woods in tournaments. And, and, and even though his ownership is going to be high, I'm just going to get my exposure to woods in, in tournaments. All right. We're going to hit a break. When we come back. We're going to break down some of the pricing changes and ownership right here on the pre-snap you're listening to on the line star app. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by line star dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit linestarapp.com now and start your free trial. On the Linestar app, you can click on each player and see the results for each game along with what they scored, the metrics used for the current week's projections, and you can sort players by several options, love, hate, salary, projected points, value, salary changes, everything. We've got it over here, right here on the Linestar app. So check it out today. Make sure you make it a part of your DFS routine Let's talk about some of the pricing changes over on DraftKings. The prices that went up, you had Ezekiel Elliott, uh, plus 1,100 after that game against the Jags, plus 700 for Beasley and Landry, plus 600 for Goff. I think the Goff one is kind of confusing in a way. I know the matchup, but uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the Goff one is the one that I would stay away from out of the three. For you, who are the guys that went up here that you actually are buying into the premium? 
Yeah, there wasn't, um, <clears throat> there was not a lot of price changes this week that I felt like were huge, which is good because there's not a lot of value to begin with. I mean, look, the Cowboys got bumped up because they got bumped down last week because of the Jags. So they're more market value. Uh, so from that perspective, you know, we talked about Elliot, we talked about Beasley. Landry went up 700. That's a big jump for Landry. I know it's matchup based, but boy, for a guy like Landry, that is a big jump. Uh, Dave, Dave, DraftKings and FanDuel have just slashed the Texans' prices. So it's it's something. While I'm not on any of the Texans this week, it's something to certainly consider. Just because Watson isn't 100, percent it just makes it very tough to go after any of those guys. Howard's down a thousand, but again, very difficult there as well. Uh, minus 800 for Hines. Now that Marlon Mack is back, which makes sense, but again, not. I don't think it's tempting enough to me personally. Minus 700 for Kittle. Is that an opportunity? Yeah, I love it. I, I, love I feel like that's yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like I see that one. And I go, well, that's dumb. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, what well, I, I again, I don't know. I know that they had adjusted uh, prices against the Rams early on in the season, but it appears that they backed away from it. Uh, don't know why the Kittle drop, but uh, minus seven hundred is is a pretty good. Now that definitely puts him in play and somebody that is on my radar for sure. All right, here's the people who've gone up in Fanduel. We got a plus a thousand on Corey Clement, uh, plus nine hundred on Murray. But obviously, if Cook's playing, they change that. Plus eight hundred on Jeffrey and Beasley. Plus seven hundred on Gurley and Cohen. I mean, I mean, Gurley's now over ten thousand. And I mean, I guess here's the question: ten thousand. Do you still feel like he can return value there? I I pay eleven. I mean, <laughs> do I hear eleven five? Yeah, I really. Here's the problem: Who else are you going to pay for? I agree. I can go find. I can go find value at other positions. I I mean, is there any chalk running back that's a value play this week? I don't feel comfortable with any of them. No, it's it's fair. I mean, and Cohen got bumped up as well. Yeah. Um, so going through here. You've got minus 700 on the negative end for Hogan, minus 600 for Diggs. All Texans uh, have been dropped as well on the FanDuel side. Uh, the price plays here, uh, take me through this, because you're talking about the DK prices being down overall in quarterback, right, and up other places? Yeah, so like an overall, uh, like in, what you have to realize overall is DraftKings prices down the quarterback position as a whole. So what you have to do is you can't just say, well, every guy's every quarterback is going to be cheaper on DraftKings. The difference is the price gap and the percentage of the salary cap of what the guy, the guy on DraftKings is versus FanDuel. That's what you want to look at. So just everybody's going to be cheaper. So that's just throw that out the window. It's a matter of the percentage of how much cheaper they are and the percentage of the salary cap. Also DraftKings, prices up the elite players at the running back wide receiver and tight end position. So that's why typically, except for this week, you're going to see, and there's not much of a gap, either the prices on DraftKings will be higher or the gap will be very small on the elite running backs, the elite wide receivers and the elite tight ends. So that's how they balance the pricing. They drop the quarterbacks and they price up the elite skill position guys on FanDuel it's more of a normalized pricing in the quarterback prices are high. It's a lot harder to find value because of the non P it's a half point PPR. And also DraftKings does factor matchup more than FanDuel. Although FanDuel did drop all the Texans this week, the DraftKings salary algorithm is certainly much more matchup driven than FanDuel. 
All right. Let's talk about the quarterbacks to, um, you know, I'm going to talk about all the prices, but let's just talk about of all the guys being discounted. Who are the guys that pop to you right away? Flacco at 5,400 is the best value. As far as I'm concerned this week, uh, it's very interesting. You got Cam Newton at sub six, 6,000. He's at 5,900. Watson's not healthy. That scares me. Luck has a bad matchup. Brady's matchup is so-so, and obviously, you know, my my feelings on Breeze. So I think for me, the best value at quarterback this week, uh, I didn't mention Beathard because he's cheap on both sites, but as far as the value goes, I think Flacco's the guy. All right, let's get to Yeah, it's funny because Flacco is 7,500 on FanDuel and Wentz is 76. So which way do you go there? Probably going Wentz. Uh, I like Wentz over there. Yep. All right, let's uh, continue on here and let's talk about some of the running backs here. Uh, better values on DK. You got the Barber, Crowell, Carry On, uh, Sony Michelle, and Hyde. The better values on FanDuel looks like Thompson, Elliott, CMC, Yeldon, White, and Gurley. So just keep those in mind. Uh, of all these guys, give me one on each site that you think is the best value. Uh, talk, uh, <clears throat> carry on Johnson on DraftKings, uh, I think is a really good spot, especially if you get a save at the running back position, cause you're going to you're going to play girly carry on would be the guy that I went on a roll with. I think Barber is also in play because he's extremely cheap. I don't want to go. I don't know how comfortable I feel going bargain basement at, at the flex and the second running back spot, but you just might be forced to do it. It just depends on. Uh, your second wide receiver spot. Cause let's just say you're going to play Gurley and Thielen. So you're paying up at wide receiver one, you're paying up at uh, running back one. Now it's a matter of those other pieces is that, you know, you're going running back in flex, you're going receiver. Are you going mid tier and cheap at receiver? Are you going mid tier at running back and cheap at flex? I think I feel more comfortable going cheaper at receiver and then finding a mid tier with a cheap running back. So I wouldn't want to run carry on Johnson and Barber in the same lineup. I'd try to find a mid tier running back along with either Barber or carry on. All right, let's continue on here and let's look down the road here at the wide receivers, the better values, Beasley Hopkins and Reynolds, the better values on FanDuel, Landry Evans, Thielen cooks and digs. It's funny, all those Vikings there. And I just, I don't get it, Raph. I don't, I don't get why everyone's like, oh, yeah, Vikings really going to struggle against the Jets. I just don't see it, man. I just think the Jets might stack up against the Colts and look one way. But I think when the Vikings come down at a much higher caliber of talent level across the board, you're going to see a very different Jets team. I know the Jets have played well at times, but we're talking about playing well against Detroit, talking about playing well against the Colts. This is the Vikings, okay? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's just a matter of uh, hopefully the Vikings come out motivated for the game, but certainly they should be able to move the ball in the air against this Jets secondary who's given up top 10 quarterback performances over the last three weeks. So um, I see much of the same there. And um, again, FanDuel, it certainly looks like cousins, a cousins dig feeling stack could be uh, very juicy. All right, let's continue on with the tight ends here. You got Rudolph and Griffin uh, being value, uh, just a good values, a tight end on DK, and then Kelsey and Ertz on FanDuel side. And that's a rarity that you would say values on FanDuel with Kelsey and Ertz. So take me through that thought process, uh, which one. I mean, if we're talking about Wentz being a good value, then don't you kind of have to put Ertz with him? Yeah, I should have exited Kelsey's not in the slate. But um, look, here's what happens. It goes back to what I just said. 
in regards to the way that FanDuel and DraftKings do their pricing structures. FanDuel is more straight line across the board, whereas DK skews at the at the high at the highest level. So, you know, the the premium guys are juiced up on DraftKings, and so you get more of a baseline price on FanDuel, which makes it a uh, better play, better value. All right, let's move on to the defenses. The Texans on DK and uh, the better values on FanDuel, Coats, Browns, Jags. Now, the Jags, obviously, that's we're talking about more of what more of the in terms of ownership, right? And then rather than salary, when you're talking about the Jaguars? Uh, no, they're, they're so like just Jaguars. priced better on, I believe they're number one on, I don't have it in front of me. I think number one on they're the Jags are up there. They're they're one or two on, on DK where they're just, uh, when we look at percentage of cap and the difference between the salaries on both sites, the Jags just present value over on FanDuel. All right, fair enough. Then we're going to hit one more break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up here, talk about ownership and talk about team ownership as well. You're listening to the Line Star app pre-snap show. We'll be right back after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by Line Star, the most advanced, easy to use, and affordable DFS data on the market. Download in the App Store and start your free trial now. All right, let's run through it, baby. Let's go quarterback. Uh, projected ownership uh, obviously out are the big guys, the Mahomes, uh, a lot of guys on, on by like big Ben and Rogers. So we're talking about main slate, <clears throat> our top plays. We talked about golf. We talked about uh, Winston. Potentially we talked about Flacco maybe as well, but Bether is the one that enters into it too, which I'm surprised. Take me through the Bethard one real fast. Yeah, we kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, bad on me for kind of glossing over the Rams 49ers. I've got the game high scoring, and I think, I think the Niners do have a legit shot to pull the upset. So I've got the game in the 60s. The reason why I like Beathard is he's played very well, and Shanahan's got a lot of confidence in him. And this Rams defense, since Tlaib has gone down, it's been very vulnerable. And again, we get the Niners at home. We, and the Niners have been able to score. They've been able to move the ball, been impressed. I think ever since Beathard got in there, I've kind of had a good read on the 49ers and I've been able to play them. So Beathard's price just makes him incredible uh, on DraftKings and even on FanDuel just opens up a lot. And this week, if you're looking to spend down at a position, you have to spend down at the quarterback position to get Gurley, to get Thielen, and to be able to make these lineups work. So that's why Beathard is really a favorite play for me this week. All right. You're fading Brady luck and breeze. Is that because of price? Or is that because of matchup or is that because of just everything and ownership altogether? Matchup mostly. Uh, it's a, it's a week where you're not going to have a, a highly concentrated ownership on quarterback. I don't think in any spot. Uh, so, you know, with, with a long tail distribution of ownership on quarterback this week, I don't think there's any reason why you should have to force uh, some of these guys in. So I'll just play more matchups and, and price this week. All right. Running back, much like quarterback, uh, some of the big players, Barkley, we mentioned at the very top, how sad I am about that. Uh, Connor's not available, you know, Mixon, Hunt, all these guys because of buy or because of time slot are not on the main slate. So the chalk this week is going to be girly despite the high price, Elliot, CMC, Hyde and Barber. Is there one of these guys that might be chalk that you like the most and doesn't matter to you of the ownership side? Well, Gurley obviously is a lock. Um, and then outside of that, uh, I'm starting to really lean towards Hyde. Uh, I like Hyde in the game. Uh, I think he's going to get usage. I like the price tag. 
They're going to be able to move the ball. And so that would be the guy that I think when I start talking about that mid tier, would you want Hyde or Barber? You go Hyde over Barber. <clears throat> uh, I think Same a lot way. of that, a lot of that's going to have to do with if I go with Cohen. So it's, it's kind of like with the line of construction, I like Cohen more than Hyde and Cohen is a little bit more. So I'd have to probably go with like Gurley Cohen Barber, but Depending on the lineup build, if I'm going extremely cheap at wide receiver outside of feeling, if I can squeeze Hyde in over Barber, I'd do it. All right, projected less than 15% owner, Tariq Cohen, which is surprising to me. Carry on, which isn't. And then the Cook and Murray situation, too, which if you believe there's going to be a little bit of a split, then I don't know, it kind of kills both of them, I think. You're just kind of flipping a coin, and I don't like to do that personally. You're fading both of the Saints guys and Sony Michelle. Why Michelle, if we think that that's a big part of what this New England offense is now? Well, the thing about Michelle is he, he gets a lot. He, he's been productive because he's been getting a ton of volume. And he could certainly get volume in this game. I just don't know how productive he's going to be against this defense. So it's just very hard for me to um, ride him on the road when he's just not a PPR kind of guy. I mean, he's mostly like, you know, 20 carries a game, run straight ahead, get five yards to carry. And he's very productive in that role, but I don't see this game being a shootout and I could be wrong, but again, Hey, look, if the game ends up 34, 30, then certainly I'm wrong. I just have it more like 24, 23, and so Michelle, to me, I think a lot of people are just going to be looking on. You're looking at the total limiting is upside. That's fair. I yeah. Mean, that's a fair yeah. way to put it. Wide receivers, not in the pool again, no Steelers. That's a bummer. Uh, Hill, not in the pool here. Neither is green or Boyd, who I think Boyd's going to have a tremendous game uh, situation wise in terms of matchup. The chalk at wide receiver this week is Thielen woods and Hopkins, the less than 15% owned. Uh, you've got Galladay, uh, Crabtree, Gabriel, Curse, Sneed, Reynolds, Traquan Smith. So there's a lot of guys out there that you like. Yeah. I mentioned Galladay earlier as my guy. I'm sticking with that. You mentioned Gabriel earlier in terms of volume too, especially depending on Allen Robinson's health. So besides those two, let's talk about the remaining guys. It's Crabtree, it's Curse potentially too with Anunwa's injury. We didn't really talk about too much. And then you got Reynolds and Traquan Smith. So who are the guys 15% owned or less that you think actually can make an impact that we haven't discussed? Uh, I think curse is the one guy in there. Um, Trey Quan, I threw in there as a flyer, kind of like a one-off, uh, with the gain injury, you know, maybe he gets, uh, the benefit of lack of coverage and he goes, we saw him explode a few weeks ago. So I think that that's just a guy that could explode. If the, if the saints put up any points in the game, that could be where it, where it ends up going. But look, um, that's kind of going back to what I said is, you know, do I build, lineups with Thielen, Galladay, and Gabriel Curse, or do I go Thielen, Gabriel Curse? So that's really what it's going to come down to when you, or, you know, or Crabtree or Snead or something like that. It's really going to come down to how much money you need to get your lineup the way that you want it to. So if you spend down at receiver and get off Galladay, but go Gabriel Curse, if that opens up Hyde, I can certainly see where you're, where you'd want to go that route and avoid the barber and, you know, things like that. So Again, I feel a lot more comfortable with trying to get the concentration at running back with Gurley Hyde Cohen and just getting those target opportunities. Like you can get Gabriel and Curse at ridiculous prices based on how many targets they're going to be projected. So I really like that way. So 
you got a super sleeper this week at uh, wide receiver. Who is it? Well, <clears throat> this kid Damian Ratley from the Browns put up pretty big numbers last week, and Higgins is out, and no one's on him. And it's it's just weird because look, he could very easily be a one a one hit wonder, but boy, he's in a very interesting matchup it's with really a high total. Right. So he's somebody. Look, I've had I, what I trip, typically try to do is I try to find one or two receivers that are had an increase in snap count, increase in targets. And it looks like they're grossly underpriced. Like they're under 4,000. They're under 5,000. David Moore was a guy I had a few weeks ago. Maurice Harris didn't work out last week, but Damian Ratley could be the guy that works out this week, especially if he draws that wide receiver to start uh, in that matchup, especially if it turns into a shootout. And we're fading Hopkins and Michael Thomas with the big names on the board. Tight end, <clears throat> look, I mean, it's mostly good chalk this week. In Joku, we talked about already. Gronk is 6000 That's the lowest price in four years. Is that enough to get you excited about Gronk this week? Oh, man, I tell it's you so what. It's so tempting, but... It, it is, and it's been very frustrating. He doesn't look right to me. I was just going to say that. He's not healthy. He's he lumbering around out there. Lumbering um, is a good word. That's exactly yeah, what Yeah, like. he's lumbering around out there. And look, they can't cover him, but he can't move. Yeah. This is not the same guy that we saw in preseason. This ankle thing is really bothering him. So I don't know if I'm going to have much Gronk outside of one, like one. I new. prefer the Njoku and Ertz group. Yeah. Well, even Ebron and Kittle. Yeah. And just, I mean, that's yeah. fine too. All right. Yeah. The defensive chalk, you got the Colts, Rams, and Jaguars, less than 8% owns Bills, Texans, Browns. Are you worried about the Browns, especially after they gave up so many points last week that, you know, Tampa at home, that's kind of a tough spot there where, you know, Tampa can put up some points as well. Yeah. The Browns play is not really um, points allowed. It's more turnovers. And if well, I, that's fair, fair enough. I think that Winston, if Winston is going to chuck the ball 40, 50 times, you know, <laughs> three, three interceptions is in yeah, play. This, this is true. This is true. But those, the bills don't sleep on those bills. You know, they, 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 they really, they, the circle, they the wagons so is there. The bills yeah. defense has been very, very good. All right. We're fading the Rams defense this week too, uh, which um, in, Again, there's a team that has better personnel than they do necessarily in terms of conversion of that yeah. personnel. I think you, you, there's a lot of things where you look at it, and if and if the Rams have a playoff exit, you're gonna you're gonna point to the defense and and you'll look back and say, oh, that's why, because it shows up every week. There's these there's these chinks in the armor, and for some reason, I think that people kind of are missing this. They look at the big names, they look at the Aaron Donalds, and they look at some of the players, and maybe it's a matter of getting healthier. You know, for some of these guys too, like Akib Talib and all that. But I don't know. We'll we'll see how the second half plays for that defense. Okay, in terms of ownership and breaking this down, Rams, Patriots, Cleveland, and Tampa are going to be the most owned teams with Minnesota right underneath them. And then the least owned teams this week uh, will indeed be Buffalo, Miami, Washington, and the Jets. With good reason too. That Washington offense is uninspiring to say the least. That's for sure. Miami with that split's kind of tough. So. Uh, if you're fading these teams, you're fading the Pats and Saints, correct? Basically, off of some of these big ownership guys. Yeah, uh, the Saints come in as number seven projected own, but it's all close. It's it's a close concentration, uh, so I'm not really on them. Uh, look, you can get the Ravens at the same ownership with a higher projected total and a better matchup. So I like the Ravens more uh, versus the Saints. 
And then going down a little bit, a couple teams that are interesting to me. Uh, one is the Niners. The Niners, again, are grossly low-owned, projected. And again, because of the 21 projected total, I've got them scoring in 30s. So I think that's where there's huge value on San Francisco this week. I think the Lions are interesting. And again, we go back to what I said about that game. Oh, that game could go one of two ways. If the game is more 23-20, then certainly no value. But if the humidity just creates all sorts of paranoia in the game, like we saw a week ago, the Lions with Stafford, with 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 the trio of receivers, and then with uh, carry-on are certainly going to be extremely low owned and have a buy too right that yeah i like that uh, but again that if, if that humidity is i'm really worried about that team in the humidity because they're a dome team they're a cold weather team and man we just saw what happened to the bears now that it's going to affect the defense more than the offense but i just you know keep an eye on that game because i think that could really determine gpps and and where things go and do you really trust the Lions defense to be able to, I don't think Brock Osweiler is going to do what he did, but certainly they're going to be able to scout Osweiler now, but you still got to think Miami's going to put up points in this game, especially if the weather is the way it is. Yeah. Brock Osweiler, you just can't get rid of that guy, man. He's like some sort of fungus. Like no matter what you do, somehow Brock Osweiler just keeps finding opportunities. It's- and we didn't, we didn't mention, I know I talked about the Vikings earlier, but I think the Vikings, again, even though they're fifth owned, um, that trio could put up the biggest scores of the week with yeah. dealing, you know, feeling digs and cousins. I agree. And now your preparation doesn't stop here with us at line star. Be sure to check out Ryan Humphrey's week seven DFS write up. He gives you ratings for cash and GPP for each pick. It goes out with a newsletter via email, but it's also posted with the projections page over on the line star app and on the website. You can also follow Ryan over at nitro DFS. You can follow me at Joe P's at PS 17 and follow Michael Rathburn at fantasy wrath. That'll do it for me and wrath this week. We wish you a happy fun weekend of playing DFS again. Next week, we'll be back again with special guest, David Chow going to break down some injury stuff, but that's over for now. It's time to look ahead to week seven. The pre-snap is done. So now it's time to set down win. Thanks for listening to the pre-snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia on the Lion Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at LionStarApp.com and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.